welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. James 4. You know, and I was talking to Jake about this this week. You know, there's no other way to really preach James except like, bam, slap, slap. You just feel like slap, slap. But guess what? Like the longer I was telling um. I was telling Glenn and Kim, <laughs> friends, I was going to say I'm telling friends, but I think of all of you as friends, but friends, but the longer that you read the book of James, you see that the heart behind his words is so much love. There's so much love. So like the first time you read it, you're like, oh man, slap me, slap me, slap me. And then you get into it even more and you're like, oh, slap me good, slap me good, slap me good. And then you're hearing Pastor Jake, you know preach this over and over for the last three Sundays consecutively, and you're just sitting there, and like, I think last week he said something about a dragon, and then I, yeah, you said something about a dragon, because I had Cam and Natalie behind me going, dragon man, dragon man, dragon man, because <laughs> they just felt like their hearts were just burning within them, because God was convicting them. God was convicting us all, and guess what? When we're living in a place of conviction, we are postured for growth. We don't want things to be comfortable, Because where there's comfort, there's not change. Where there's not change, there isn't growth. And God has called us to go from glory to glory. So I want to hear some uncomfortable messages so that I will change. Because I'm changing, I'm becoming, hopefully, more like Jesus. And guess what? When we're together in community, we get to, that change gets to even be multiplied. Friends, we were talking about this before service today, too. It said even in Ephesians 3, it talks about strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the height, the breadth, the width, the depth of the love of God that surpasses knowledge? We talked about this at our Women's Book Club. It's on Tuesday nights. You can come again this week. Starts at 7. It was so good. Hey, ladies, it was so so good. Um, But the four dimensions to comprehend the love of God. And And I was telling these ladies, for the ones that were over 40, would know about the Care Bears. But I used to think that, you know, some of you may have heard me say this, but that, you know, in community, we're just, like, going to hold hands. And, Sierra, I'm just going to love you, but I just do love you because you're just so amazing and just so easy to love. But, you know, but you know, for the ones that might be our grace scores, or as Tiffany would say, greater grace required, you know, for those people. But we're just going to, like, hold hands, and, you know, we're just going to be easy to love each other, and we're just going to have the Care Bear stare. You guys remember the Care Bears? And we're just going to hold hands and Care Bear stare. And they're all like, And then all their powers went together, and it was amazing. And something happened. I don't remember what happened, but just in my heart, I think it was good. So (laughs) that's why I always go back to the Care Bear stare. But then I am married for 22 years. I'm like, oh, it's not the Care Bear stare. (laughs) 99% of the time. But sometimes ironing looks like, ironing and sharpening iron feels like friction. There's sparks, and they're beautiful. They're so beautiful. But sometimes Jake will come to me and say, Jen, you can't be like that. He tells me that a lot, actually. (laughs) A lot. Or you shouldn't do this. Or, you know, someone will come along and say, hey, what about this? We need that. And that's the power of community. Community, we feel comfortable and we feel wonderful. We feel loved. We feel accepted. But we should also feel uncomfortable some of the time. So it causes us to change. Amen? Amen. Okay, so James 4. 
not in there yet, but let's go back to a few things that Pastor Jake said that I believe are absolutely by the Spirit of God, and I believe some of you agree with it as well. What did he say? It's going to be a year of? Say that? It's going to be a year of? What else? Yep. Yeah, and the next one? Breakthrough. It's going to be a year of unity, a year of breakthrough, and a year of not breaking the giants, but defeating the giants. And I was like, okay, God, we're into July here. Definitely, we've seen some of that, haven't we? For sure. We've totally seen some of that. But as we're walking down further as a church body, and I could tell that we're forming more as a body because you begin to really miss people. I was telling friends that again this morning. You just like, there's people that have been coming here a lot that aren't here today, and then there's people we haven't seen in a while that have been away, and they're here today. But I'm like, I'm just looking forward to when we can all just be together. You know, and that's when you can tell that unity is forming. So it's a year of unity. It's a year of breakthrough. It's a year of defeating the giants. So I'm just driving around this week, and I'm talking to the Lord about this. You know, year of defeating the giants, a year of breakthrough. I'm like, God, what's going on? What's going on? What are you talking about? And even through the book of James, he said, I'm talking about righteousness. He said, I'm calling my people into righteousness. I'm calling my people into holiness. I'm calling people into order. Because where there's righteousness, where there's holiness, where there's divine order, there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And I believe that God is calling his children in this hour to righteousness, to holiness, to purity. Because where there is purity, there is power. Purity is uncommon in this day and age. Things have become so, we've called things that are impure, pure. We see that in the Bible, and we call that which is pure, unpure. We see that, where we are literally living it into these days. But God's saying, I'm calling my people back into righteousness. I'm calling my people back into reading the word of God because it's the word of God that is living. It's the word of God that is powerful. It is the word of God and only the word of God that can divide spirit and can speak to a woman caught in adultery that didn't even know Jesus and she would turn around and walk away that day and give her life to Jesus. Only the word of God can do that. It's quick. It can reach the areas of people's heart that have not been reached, that couldn't be reached. Only Jesus could do that. He's calling us into his word. I've heard stories after stories from all sorts of moms and dads since we've been reading the book of James. I saw my kid's Bible opened. I saw my kid's Bible just like laying on their bed and they've been reading the word. Like parents just crying, just sharing these stories. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Parents, your kids need to see your Bible open on your bed. They need to see your Bible open somewhere in your house. They need to see highlighters. They need to see it marked up. I only had orange. I put on my Insta story. I didn't have my pencil. We need to dive deep this season. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's got to be something different about us. And that's the truth, but it's the love. And that is what you see more and more as you read the book of James. You see that royal law. You see the law. See, he's speaking to Christian Jews. See, they were all about the law of Moses. It's great to have the law of Moses. It told you what you couldn't do. But guess what the law of love tells us? How we can be set free. That's the difference. We know what we shouldn't do. But we need power 
to do the things that we know we need to do. And that's the battle between our flesh and our spirit. Our spirit knows what we should do, but our flesh keeps pulling us this way. But it's okay because we have this, and we have the Spirit of God, and the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you, lives and dwells in me, and it brings life. Brings life. We live in a day and age right now where the enemy does not want us to know who we are, especially younger generation. Does not want you to know who you are, what you have, who you serve, and what you carry. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's slowly, slowly, slowly robbing identities. And I'm seeing people, it's just even Christians' views change on things. I'm like, oh, we better be careful. We got to keep our head in the game and keep our head screwed on straight with the word of God. And I'm seeing two kinds of things going on right now. I've been seeing it for a while, and I actually shared this at a Christian school um, in Calgary a few years ago. You're seeing a generation where Jesus is the center of their universe, and we're applying the word of God to the best of our ability to our lives. We're not perfect, but we are growing in the things of the Lord, and we're doing our best to surrender everything for Jesus and walk with him. But then I'm seeing a generation where they're the center of their universe, and they're being told that that's okay. And you know what they do, millennials? I love you so much. You do community really well. In fact, your generation has taught so many generations of what we need to get back into, and that's back with each other. The problem is, though, is that it's a community that's just formed here, and it's not a community that started with here and then here. So we begin to feel accepted by one another, but we're not worried about being accepted by him anymore because when we feel accepted by each other, we're okay. The problem with that is, is when there's blips in that community, you're going to begin to go like this. You're going to begin to fall apart. It's not a healthy moral compass because it's not absolute. The Bible says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God, what? Stands forever. But this doesn't stand firm. But on Christ's solid rock, it stands firm. Psalm 119.11 says, your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sin, friends, literally means to miss the mark. God has called all of us as a generation, as a holy generation, to hit the mark. Like the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, I press towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, forgetting those things that are behind. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to say by the Spirit of God, some of you have been living in a duality mindset. Another word for Satan is Diablos. Did you know that? Dia, meaning two. Dia, meaning of two minds. Some of us have been living in a duality mindset, and the enemy wants us living in a duality mindset. So we're here, and we're here, and we're unstable. But God's calling us out of that, into this, for such a time as this that we would hit the mark. 1 Corinthians 5.37 says, awake to righteousness and do not sin and do not miss the mark. So God, we come to you today. I haven't ended. I'm just starting. And we bless you. God, we posture ourselves before you. God, we thank you that the fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of wisdom. God, and we humble ourselves as your children in this room. We humble yourselves as children who are listening to this. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We're not worried about being exalted in due time. We're just caught, we're just caught up with you, Jesus. And that's our place. Like Mary chose the right thing, and that was sitting at the feet of Jesus. So God, I just thank you as you're journeying us through your word, as you're journeying us as a church in this season, individually yet together. God, that you take us new places, that you take us to, to rich places with you, Lord Jesus, that we're becoming more like you. I thank you for an anointing and a greater authority that's resting upon the people in this church. God, people that would rise up and know their God and do mighty works for you. And we all said, amen. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> now we're going to start. Is that okay? Okay. James 4. Got it? And I don't really have any notes on that. But let's start from the beginning. James 4 says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, okay? Oh, Jake put the, I don't have an NLT Bible. That's okay. You can change it. Should I wait? Do you want me to sing? Someone else want to sing? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murdered. What Bible stories do you think of that right away? I think of Cain and Abel. Pretty quick there. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have, but you do not ask. You do not receive because you, do, you ask wrongly. You spend it on your passions. See, the enemy wants that. He wants us so focused on ourselves. We are not hitting the mark with our lives. He wants us so looking at one another. He wants us so looking at what we don't have. You know jealousy, the difference between jealousy and envy? I learned something new this week. Jealousy is being afraid of losing something. Jealousy would be like Jake and I growing up, and we have liked each other since we were 10 years old. Well, I was 15 and he was 10. <laughs> I was 11 and he was 10. And it would be another girl or another guy coming along and Jake getting jealous in his heart because it wasn't that he was jealous of that person. He was worried about losing me. But envy, envy is wanting what somebody else has. And it's all wicked. And it all starts with the smallest little things. And, you know, just as we're reading, James, may God, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to pray, is may God reveal the hidden things inside of our hearts. Because those little things have a way of becoming really big things. We might not be aware of it at that moment, but the enemy's aware of it. And he just knows how to cultivate it. So we just want to root it out. So you do not ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. So you spend it on your own passions. Let's turn to Genesis 3 for a minute. And I just want to show you something that maybe some of you didn't know. I'm sure you're all Bible scholars here. It started in the garden. Say that. Say it started in the garden. It said, now the serpent 
was more crafty than any other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Is that not how sin works? Well, it's not that bad. Like, you're totally like, no, I'm not doing that. No. Like, you just know it convicts you. You just totally feel convicted in that moment. But then with temptation, sometimes the way, you know, it works, it starts wearing you down, and you start telling yourself or figuring out ways of how you can have that, why it's not that bad. Well, it's not too bad. Well, we heard the story of the poo brownie one time, and forgive me for saying that publicly in this church, but if you have a little bit of poop in a brownie, it's going to taste bad. Well, it's, you know, you're eating, it's not that bad. Really? Well, sometimes you've got to think of it that way to show you how ridiculous sometimes we, we say these things and what, how gross it really is. It is that bad. Those little things, a little leaven, leavens a whole lump. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's go back to John 10, 10 for a minute. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to do what? That we might have life and have it more abundantly. That word steal in the Greek is from the word klepto. You know the difference between a thief and a kleptomaniac? A kleptomaniac is able to steal something from you, and you're not even aware of it. Not even aware of it. I could be having a conversation with the kleptomaniac. I don't think I ever have, but if I ever had one. And they would probably be able to take this necklace off of my neck without me even being aware. Is that not without me being aware of it? Is that not wild? But that's how cunning and crafty the serpent, Satan, was being here. Which is why we need to be in the word of God. So we're vigilant and our eyes are alert and they're sharp. But the serpent said to the woman, I'm going to read this again. You will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. See, speaking to her weaknesses here. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, see what's happening here? And that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one rise wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Weak man. Weak man. <laughs> then the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, before this, Adam was walking with joy, with God in the garden. See, sin separates us from God. Temptation tries to lure us. Envy tries to lure us. Jealousies try to lure us. Lust, pride, it tries to lure us. Well, it's not that bad. And sometimes... Enemy is so cunning that we're not even aware of what's happening because he doesn't want us to have what he doesn't have anymore. He lost his relationship with God in that scripture. I saw Satan fall like lightning because Satan wanted to become God. 
but he is trying to completely separate and annihilate every relationship in our life that could lead us to God, which is why we need to be guarding the unity within our, in our everyday relationships. But he does not want you, Sienna, to have a relationship with Jesus because he knows that when, when you get a hold of Jesus, you're going to get a hold of your identity in Jesus and you will never be the same. And as you have been getting a hold of your identity in Jesus, you've been going from glory to glory. Path of the righteous is like the light of dawn and it shines brighter and brighter. The path of the enemy is like the road of death. It's going to get darker and darker. But this is what I want to show you in verse 6. I want to go back there. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. There's three temptations that lead to all sin. Did you know that? It's the lust of the flesh the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you can go read that later in 1 John 2.17. But 1 John 2.17 is actually referring back to this moment at the beginning. You can write that if you're taking notes. The lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life are three temptations that open the door to sin. And you can see that even more as you're studying out the scripture. So let's go back to James 4. I wanted to say that to help paint a greater context. James. Because if you take, if you take a step back, you can see pride, and we're going to read more of this. You can see lust. You can see envy. You can see covetousness, covetousness here. You can see fighting, you can see strife, you can see quarreling. We know in the Bible it talks about how strife is a sin that leads to what? Witchcraft. You can see all of that, but it starts with these little temptations in our life that might not look like big deals, but they lead to greater and greater separation from God. So James goes to say here, you adulterous people, how? What he's saying is it's like you're having an affair on the word. You're having an affair on the things of God. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? Enmity literally means to mean discord. The world uh, with the world is enmity with God. See, that's what the enemy wants. That's what he was trying to do to Adam and Eve. He knew that if he could do that right from the get-go, he'd get everything. But guess what? In the end of book of Revelation, it ends with the garden. And Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And have we ever really, do we ever really think in these terms? And it seems kind of heavy, but don't let it be heavy, for we're going to go to a lighter place shortly. Um, but sometimes we need to feel that heaviness and that weightiness so that we really are taking our spiritual lives seriously, and we're not just walking like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. We wake up in the morning, we're thinking about Jesus. We're walking through our day, we're thinking about Jesus. I'm driving down the road. God puts Casey and Krisha in my heart. I text him, hey, friends, I'm praying for you today, thinking about Jesus. We ought to take our, our walk with Jesus, not lightly. Not heavy, but not lightly. 
and seriously in this hour. So therefore, who wishes to be, or whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. But if you go look back, two weeks ago, Pastor Jake preached out of James 2. And he brought up a story, in James 2.23, it talks about how Abraham, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he became a friend of God. See, when we're, when we're, walking, when we're walking down the road of life, when we have a heart that desires to do the will of God, when God is instructing us to do things, um, and we heed that and we obey it, and you can see that again in James 1 and 2, not being like the man or the woman that forgets who they are and walks away, but the one who's keeping their, their face in the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God. We become a friend of God, and we become a closer friend of God. And a closer friend of God. You know that song, I walk through the garden alone and he walks with me and he talks with me. And we begin to hear prophetic words. And we begin to speak those words out as we grow and we grow and we grow in our relationship with God. Or do you suppose in verse 5, it is, no, it is to no purpose that the scripture said he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Verse 6 says, but he gives more grace. Say more grace. Who wants more grace? Look at your neighbor and say, more grace. I believe that the closer we walk with Jesus, the more grace that we're going to receive. Uh, we need God's empowering ability to do the things that he's called us to do, Chris. Chris, you guys need God's grace to do the things that he's calling you to do up in Prince George. You can't do what he's called you to do on your own, nor should you be able to do what he's called you to do on your own. We need to be friends of God, church, to receive his grace and position us for these days that we're walking in. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. Say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Say, he gives me grace. Say, he gives me grace to the humble. I heard a great definition of this last year, and you know what humility does? It knows its place. Just know your place. Sometimes you got to carry things for seasons. It's not just even being humble in a setting. You got to walk humbly with your God, Micah 4.8, but you have chosen no man or woman what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Sometimes God's shown us things for our life that haven't happened yet. Anyone? Where are the hands? Has God shown you things in your life that, you, that have not happened yet? Part of walking humbly in this grace of life is to be like, okay, God. Like Jesus said, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but I'll keep walking. I'll keep laying my life down. I'll keep surrendering. Because God gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Say submit. Submit is a word that people don't like to hear anymore. True? People hear submit, they're like, ooh. You have a pastor? Ooh. I don't want a pastor. Ooh. You're not my pastor. Okay. <laughs> okay. Submitting to God is a safe place. It's a safe place. 
We, we prayed for Mr. G. Where's Mr. G? You know, and the whole time we're praying, he was walking around praying just a little while ago. We're praying for him, and all I kept getting is, you know, as the team was up here, you know, being in, in the will of God is the safest place you can be. Church, it's the safest place we can be is when we are submitted to God. Sub means to be under. When we are under the mission of God, it's to submit to God or submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Say resist. You know, and I kept asking myself, and I looked in every translation, why is submit before resist? Because I believe that through the submission, it gives you the power to resist. Did you hear that? I think a lot of us are trying to resist the enemy in our own strength. But part of the submitting to God gives us that. But God gives you more grace. We need the grace of God to resist the evil one. We need to submit. Resist the devil and he will flee. You all remember that story? Or some of you, well, many of you actually probably don't know this. But Smith Wigglesworth woke up one day. And he saw the enemy sitting at the end of his bed. And you know what he said? Oh, it's just you. (laughs) Just you. Okay, see ya. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you know your God, when you know what his words say, it doesn't matter what the enemy says because you're like, ha ha, I know the words. I know the words. Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. Enemy was throwing all things down at him, was throwing the word at him. Enemy knows the word of God, guys. And what did Jesus refute? Kept refuting it with the word. But the enemy would just twist little things. But Jesus knew the word. We got to know the word to resist the enemy. And in one word from Jesus, the enemy flees. So don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of the enemy when you know the word of God because it's powerful. And there's authority. There's authority in this word when you speak it. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God. Say, draw near. And he will draw near to you. God's looking for our faith. Don't just wait for God to come to you. Draw to him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We already talked about being double-minded. A double-minded man is completely and totally unstable in all of his ways. And I believe that God is speaking to some people that have been double-minded. And he's saying, I'm calling you out of that into being singular-minded today in the name of Jesus. No more will you be double-minded. No more will you be walking with the step in the world and a step with God. But today I'm calling you to align yourself with me. I'm calling you to align yourself with the authority of the word of God and make it right today in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. You know what he's saying here? Be sorrowful when you sin. If we don't feel sorrowful when we do stuff, like, do you ever say something about, if you've, I've said stuff about people. I'm just going to be honest. And you know what? I feel convicted. I'm like, like, I'll even look at Jake and be like, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. I just totally felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit when I said it. Be quick. Be quick to say, God, I repent. If you say it to someone else, if you're with your girlfriend and you're being, you know, 
and you say something to them that you know you should have said, you know what we should say to bring the fear of the Lord and to bring that right back to where it should be? Say, you know what, I'm sorry, I repent right in front of you right now. I should not have said that. And do you know what that does? It brings a greater fear of the Lord to your life, but it also brings the fear of the Lord to them, and it brings a greater fear of the Lord into your relationship. We should not be talking about each other. We should be praying for one another. Even the little things that seem harmless, we ought to be praying for one another and blessing one another because the more we are blessing our community, the more we are blessing one another, the greater we're going to see the change and the life of God flourish. Flourish. So verse 10, again, says, humble yourselves. I've said this more than once now. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Can we, friends, get caught up with the humbling of ourselves? I think sometimes we get focused on the humble or the exaltation. When's it going to be my turn? What if you never get a turn? Who cares? Right? I don't care. I don't care. I just want to humble myself before the Lord. Because we're all going to stand before Jesus on that day. And I pray that we will all stand before Jesus. I remember we had a, I had a coming to Jesus conversation with my father-in-law. And this was before we went to Calgary. And oh man, is it hard to tell your father-in-law who's president of CFCM and has been your pastor your whole life. And it's your father-in-law as well. And say, you know what, David? I hear what you're saying, but to the best of my ability, I have to obey God because I'm going to stand before God on, one, on, on that day you're not going to be standing with me. And I'm going to have to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, to the best of my ability, I obeyed you. We've got to be caught up with the humbling of ourselves. See, we don't want to just, you know, we don't want to be all focused on eternity. See, through the humbling of ourselves, friends, we get to live lives that help bring heaven to earth while we're here on earth. And this city Unsaved people in our families, they need heaven to come down. Heaven comes down when we humble ourselves. That's the difference. It's the difference. Submission is not popular. So do it. Be cool. Counterculture. Humility is not popular. Try, try this today. Even when you want to say something and it's not your turn to speak, just be quiet. See how humble you are then. I'm working on this. I'm really working on this. Listening thing, wow, it's really difficult. But as I've been, <laughs> and as I've been walking through this book of James, so it's, it's incredible. The things that the Lord will begin to speak to you about, and even things in my childhood that I realize have made me the way I am. And when the lights become, or begin to come on, his spirit of revelation comes. And I was like, oh, and guess what? Healing comes. Some of us need healing. Some of us just, we just need God to just come touch our hearts. Some of us speak a lot and don't listen because maybe we never felt like we were hurt as a child. True? There's a whole lot more as we read the word of God. Just, just when you're reading it, just Psalm 119. Open my eyes, God, that I would see wonderful things. Out of, your, out of your law. Verse 11 says, do not speak evil against one another. Kind of touched on that already. 
The one who speaks against brother, um, his brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. The law being love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your might and your neighbor as yourself. It's talking about the royal law here. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He is able to, to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Pastor Jake touched on this really well. But I will say something that I don't think he brought up last week and something that I've noticed in my life and other people's lives. Just watching. Uh, Luke 6.37 says, Judge not and you won't be judged. I have noticed something, that there's a trap in judgment, is that when we fall prey into judging other people, we are now opening the door for that sin that we were judging that person for to come into our life. Have you ever noticed that? We begin to accuse, innocently, usually, other people of things, oh, they're doing that. And you know what, about a week later, you'll see that you did it. And you're like, well, what the heck? That's how that works. The enemy wants to open wants to plant a seed to open a door to destroy us. So judge not, and you won't be judged. Leave it to Jesus. You know what? If you want to throw judgment, pray for that person. Pray. I've never seen judgment change anybody but hurt them. But I've seen prayer make all the difference. Verse 13 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to, to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in the arrogance. All such boasting is evil. If we were reading in Ecclesiastes, Solomon would be going, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. I could hear him saying that. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I had to look at this for two days. Finally, my aha moment came late last night. So I didn't want to blow over this. I wanted to show you something out of this. I have also noticed that when we go boasting, become a Billy Boaster or a Bragging Bob, the things that you boast about are usually the things that God's told you to do. Am I right? Maybe think about this for a couple of days. Maybe get back to me. I'd be interested to hear and then you know what happens? I believe it sets a trap so that never happens. Again, it's like judgment. Boasting is another trap. It's entrapment not to do the will of God. So I would caution all of us. Don't speak about what you're going to do. Do it and then tell them about it later. There's nothing wrong with telling people what you're doing. But it says at the end here, to him who knows um, to do the right thing and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So if God's told you to do something, Jess, that you know is his will, but you know that you've been pushing your luck on not doing whatever it was, maybe doing fancy art or, you know, I learned last night that she's amazing at art. I was in her house and I was like, what? But maybe if God told you to do something, do it. Do it. All of you, whatever God has told you to do this season, do it. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your soul. Do it with all your might. His word, we have hidden in our heart that we would hit the mark. 
Jesus, can we just stand up and give the worship team come up? If you've noticed, Pastor Jake, and I think 99.9999999% of the time when he prays, he will say, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that before we go home today. So just as the worship team begins to play, I don't care what you play, just play. It's good. (laughs) And they're awesome. Thank God for the musicians. Thank God for every person that gives himself to the house in every area. We just speak blessing to you. But let's just lift our hands in the presence of the Lord. And if you don't want to, that's fine. We're not forcing people to lift their hands. But if we could just posture ourselves in humility and surrender before the King of Kings and before the Lord of Lords. I believe God wants to do something so beautiful inside of us so that his beauty and his splendor could be shown through us. So God, we say today, let your kingdom come. Say, let your kingdom come. Say, let your will be done in my life, in my family's life, in my home, in my ministry, in my workplace, in my calling, in my gifting, in my spouse, in my mom, in my dad, in my kids. So God, we surrender. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.